Hello and welcome to Chick Flicks. I'm Mackenzie Chapman. And I'm Bridget Hovell. And in this episode of Chick Flicks, we are talking about the movie The Goonies and the first two seasons of the television show <laughs> Stranger Things. <laughs> but first, let's catch up. What are you into, Bridget? Mackenzie, I am like having selective amnesia, so I can't remember if I have just talked to you about this off mic, talked to you about it on mic, and if so, I'm sorry for the repeat, but I am into... Nicole Byer as a person, as an idea, as a pop cultural <laughs> icon. I love her so much. Uh, she's the host of the Netflix show Nailed It, which honestly, to me, is like such a dis- like such a watered down version of her and her entire beauty that I would not recommend that as the best way to gain exposure to her. But instead, I must heartily back her podcast Why Won't You Date Me with Nicole Byer. Uh, it's all about her dating life and how she can't get a boyfriend. And so every week she has a guest on just to talk about like dating. And sometimes they like review or rate her online dating app profiles or like look through her messages and stuff. So she's just like hilarious and so funny. And it's really cool to hear her talk about like her perspectives as like a black woman dating and like a plus size woman dating. Um, and she's just so fucking too so it's really great wow. after recommend it um i'm subscribing yeah. right now it's also it's funny that you mentioned that because on not all gemini's instagram meme she mm. recently do you know not yeah yeah, yeah oh yeah okay. she she recently did a like uh food network horoscope which show are you and gemini was nailed it Oh, so, well, that's very interesting. Well, she... What, no wonder you connect with Nicole. She, yeah, <laughs> she... the stars. She speaks to me. She makes me laugh so hard. And the most recent episode is with Alice Wetterland, who is also a comedian that I really, really love. So it's just magic. Um, the other thing that I really liked this week is Tim and I rented the original It miniseries, which I hadn't seen before. Um, as a big Stephen King stan, I loved It, the book, uh, everything minus the child orgy. Um, and I thought that this miniseries was much more faithful to the tone of the book than the um, the movie that came out two years ago, even though I'm excited for the part two coming up this September. We should do a chiclet yeah. on it. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. I, I want to watch the miniseries, too. That's I've always wanted to. I just... It's like, you can tell it's like made for TV. There's like, mm-hmm. uh, commercial breaks, like every five minutes. So it's kind of like everything's <laughs> built, written wow. to the commercial break. But, um, time. I think it just, uh, it just does some things better than the movie did. Like, I think the movie really sanitized how racism and like misogyny feed it, uh, mm-hmm. and how like the town is complicit in those things. And that's why it has yeah. been able to like hang around for so long. And wow. also the, this is really fucked up. The movie, so in the book and the original miniseries, Mike, Mm -hmm. the only black character, is he becomes a librarian and he stays behind in town. And he's kind of like the keeper of the town's history. And his family has this, like, uh, connection to the town. And it's his grandfather, father, I can't remember, who, like, tells him the story of it. Mm -hmm. And in the movie, the new movie, he is not the librarian. One of the white characters is. And he's a drug addict. Oh. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Super lame. Anyway, Mackenzie, so what stupid. are you... Why did why make that change? Anyway. Right? Uh, what are you into this week, Mackenzie? Um, I'm, re- uh, I'm reading a another YA fantasy. Big surprise. There's a series called... It's a trilogy called Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab. And I'm on the third book called The Conjuring of Light. And it's so good. It's like about um, four different london's and a guy named kel can travel between them and a girl named lila who is sort of like giving off pirate vibes um do they fall in love yes (laughs) that's a spoiler but (laughs) yes they do nice um (laughs) and it's just super good the first book is very like introductory and i was Mm -hmm. like all right but by the third book, I'm surprised at how uh, good it is and how much I'm liking it. So that's definitely making me happy. Um, I'm also really jamming to the song Sticky by Raven Lanai. Can you sing um, a little bit of it? No. <laughs> I almost did. And then I was like, I can't do it. I do sing along in the car, but. Only I could be a fly on the wall. It's so good. You should listen to it. 
Um, and then I also, another thing that I'm into is Shop Strange Ways, a local shop in New Haven, Westville. Um, they sell patches and pins and stickers and flair, basically. And they're just like, or it's owned by a guy who's like really active in the community. He's really good about being like uh, inclusive to queer folks, um, people of color, and he's really good at making sure uh, like all of the artists are credited and works with them. And he's wow. just a really cool guy. And everyone should follow them on Instagram and buy for online from their shop because you can buy from them anywhere you live you don't have to be local but they are local so that's why i'm giving them a shout out <laughs> that's awesome shout out to small local businesses yeah uh, <laughs> uh so this is our 80s episode i guess i guess or like kids on bikes episode. kids on bikes yeah in 1985's The Goonies, a group of ragtag kids take on the very adult problem of foreclosure by embarking on a hunt for buried pirate treasure. Sean Astin, as Mikey Walsh, is The Goonies' emotional heart, while his buddies Mouth, Data, and Chunk provide comic relief. The Goonies are rounded out by Mikey's teenage brother, Brand, Brand's crush, Andy, and her friend, Steph. The Goonies are pursued by a family of criminals, the Fratellis, as they race to find one-eyed willie's treasure and save their family homes is one-eyed willie's name supposed to be like innuendo i don't uh. i literally ha- didn't think of that until the words left my mouth <laughs> i have never thought of that but i did by looking up stuff for this not. <laughs> scroll by an article that said why the goonies is secretly all about sex and i was like nope. oh my god uh so this is a movie I feel like I watched a lot of movies uh, growing up that came around this time, mm-hmm. but for some reason we were not a Goonies family, so I wasn't super exposed to this as a child. My babysitter really, lo- it's like one of her favorite movies, and so I watched it a lot, mm-hmm. um, and I really liked it a lot as a kid, um, and I think I don't like it as much now. <laughs> a lot of stuff does mm-hmm. not hold up, but what I do think holds up is the kids are all good friends and I feel like that is portrayed well like they're just they're a good group of friends (laughs) friendship is this the friendship is strong (laughs) Um, and I also think the pacing is great (laughs) yeah I mean (laughs) have you seen that interview with Aretha Franklin when she's uh, asked about different pop stars the beautiful gowns video Where she yeah. can't think of anything nice to say about Taylor Swift, so she says yeah. she has beautiful gowns. Yes. So, like, pacing is. Yeah. Great, great pacing. Great well, pacing. a lot of people get it wrong, so. This, That's true. This, I could say, like, this movie, it it hits a lot of, like, good adventure notes, I would yes. say. And I think if you are a child watching this movie, it's super enjoyable because it's basically like a childhood fantasy. You know, yeah. teen, I mean, children can feel like when they're exposed to adult problems, they can feel so helpless. Mm-hmm. Um Especially because, like, they they're so much more aware of things going on in their household or their communities um, than adults give them credit for. And mm-hmm. so, this is like this child fantasy of like, what if I could help my parents? What if I could save the town? Yeah, um, yeah. by going on a like a hunt for treasure, and then yeah. at the very end, like, we get a thing of jewels and we're able to mm-hmm. uh, pay off the uh, money grabbers or whatever in yeah. town. It's like Indiana Jones childhood wish fulfillment because like yes. it's actually the kids being Indiana Jones or exactly. going on this grand adventure. And I think you get like enough of it. I feel like in a lot of movies you don't get enough of like adventure or like it hints at it or something like that. But this like is all in. You're like Yeah. In. I also appreciated that um the the casting I thought was really good. The kids are all really fun to watch together mm-hmm. um the script which has the dialogue kind of like running over each other is very mm-hmm. believable mm-hmm. uh i thought the actress who played andy actually looked like a 16 year old girl or like a 15 year old mm-hmm. girl which is refreshing i feel like like look at riverdale like all those girls are probably yeah. in their 20s or whatever mm-hmm. uh and it's such a mind fuck for people actually who are 16 to be like what does a 16 year old look like yeah um <laughs> uh and i baby sean Aston is so cute he's so cute he's precious i was when i was his speech where he's like convincing the other kids to continue on with the adventure Mm -hmm. i was i thought of like you could just see like a little baby samwise and him you know like 
Mr. Frodoing. Oh uh, Can you imagine baby Sean Astin as a hobbit? Adorable. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I made that noise. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that would be so cute. Uh, and uh, Josh Brolin. I, I have this probably very annoying habit. It's almost a compulsion. When I watch movies with my boyfriend, he doesn't always recognize actors. Or if he does, he's not annoying about it like I am. So I just like will say people's former parts when they're on screen. So like we were watching part of the Goonies and I was like, Thanos. Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Pointing at him. But I do that with like every movie. I think, uh, yeah. It's because my brain is like IMDb now. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like a skill. I yeah. would say. I yeah. only do that when Ian like is like I know them from somewhere, and then I can feel smart being like it's mm-hmm. from there. <laughs> this useless thing. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so it's Baby Sean Astin, who's also in Stranger Things, which we'll talk about next. Um, Martha Plimpton, who I love. She's probably my fave character. I love yeah. a disgruntled nerdy best friend, mm-hmm. and she's who's so like sassy too. Yeah, I she's very that. sassy. Also, she's like very I hate- confident. I mean, this is a whole trope to take on, but I hate, mm-hmm. and it's still kind of like a prevailing thing that like glasses mean that you're like unsexed and okay. yeah, nerdy well, can and I j- say disgusting. as a glasses wearer, twenty four seven, every day, all day. Can I just say, within the past year, two close friends of mine have said negative things about glasses wearers in front of me. I'm what like, the fuck? do you? Do you look at my face? <laughs> like, Mackenzie, Mackenzie, some of my best friends are glasses wearers. I would never say that. <laughs> it's just like, why? Like, because, oh, what they said, they were like, they were like talking about someone else and they were like, you know, she wasn't really cute. She had glasses. What and the I was fuck? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I have a very clear memory of this girl, Maggie, who was in my grade in elementary school being like, oh, I have to get glasses. I'm going to be such a nerd. And then if I have to get braces, I'm going to be like double the nerd. <laughs> and I'm being like, oh no, I already have glasses. Like it's a slippery slope. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. But you never had to wear glasses or braces, did you? That's true. I never had braces. <laughs> um, I never did either. So that, well, there's a there's tie-in <laughs> braces in this movie. Andy, the hot cheerleader girlfriend, had likes josh brolin aka brand the older brother and accidentally makes out with mikey how could you not know that you're making out with a 12 year old i know i know so weird that's why still why it's a fantasy for 12 year old boys this whole movie yeah yeah you're right um what do you think of the criminal family of the fratellis i don't i'm not a fan (laughs) okay (laughs) coming out is not a fan for the villains in the movie yeah okay well well you know what we can talk about so the fratellis are like this italian mob family kind of who have this rundown restaurant that they're plotting out of and there's two brothers a mother and and they have a third brother whose name is sloth he's played by a former football player he's like six seven and it's an actor wearing all these prosthetics to make him look um deformed and sloth is a pretty there's a lot of things in this movie that did not age well mm-hmm. sloth is one of them yeah uh, or yeah the, like probably the most like obvious yeah I would say. uh he is like kind of verbal he is very okay i'll just this is from um a website called silver screen disability uh where it's disabled or differently abled um writers on portrayals of disabilities in the movies in the movies in the in the movies okay on the silver Uh, screen (laughs) on the silver on the big yeah uh so this is thomas Bruckheimer writing about sloth and the goonies he says sloth was a giant person with major facial deformities he could be identified with multiple tropes that are commonly seen in movies portraying disabilities some of these tropes that can be seen in sloth are super cripple object of ridicule and pitiable the super cripple trope is present in Sloth because he has almost superhuman strength. In the movie, he's able to break chains binding him to get a Babe Ruth bar, and he licks, lifts rocks that no one else can budge to help the Goonies escape. The object of ridicule trope is present because his family, the Fratellis, keep him chained to a wall in a basement and mess with him. The pitiable trope is also present at the end when Chunk, a child, adopts Sloth. It shows that a kid needs to take care of him even though Sloth had proved earlier that he could take care of himself and others by saving the Goonies. These are all tropes associated with problematic portrayals of disability. Uh, absolutely. It's just like yeah. a really weird othering to laugh at in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and the thing about it is like comfortable. It's all 
it, it really is just like a mis- mishmash of tropes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the main child actor that Chunk interacts with is, I'm sorry, that Sloth interacts with is Chunk, who's this young boy who is like uh, fat. And the amount of fa- fat jokes surrounding his character, I mean, that's he's basically one long fat joke. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't even think he's that fat. He's not. Honest. I thought the same thing watching the It miniseries last night. The fat mm-hmm. character in that was, like, not fat. Not that him being fat would, you know, like... Yeah. Him but being, like... It, 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 yeah. It's just, like... A warped view of what bodies look like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, we read this... Um, so the actor who played Chunk is this guy named Jeff. No last name, just Jeff. Uh, <laughs> and this is a quote from the director of the movie, um, Richard Donner. He said, Jeff became very special as an individual for me when he did the truffle shuffle because there was an honest pain in that scene for that little boy in front of those little kids. When I saw that and you could see it, my heart went out. When I told Lauren about it, we decided we're going to have to help him go to work on his body and his mind. So I got him a gym and some instruction and someone to work with. He lost lots of weight and built this great physique and became captain of his wrestling team in high school. Captain of his football team and president of his school class for two years in a row. I'm not saying I did it, but I know that when he started putting pride into his body and self, a lot of things changed. I was probably closer to him. It's so so infuriating. Fucked up. Probably the worst part of that is... okay. (laughs) <laughs> to break it down, he's like, I made this child actor perform a part where he's picked on for his weight, and I could see it caused him actual genuine pain. Mm-hmm. And then he says he gave him a gym membership to help him go work on his body and mind, which is like this toxic conflation that fat people are like inferior mentally. Um, right. And it's like, yeah, this was made in the 80s, and like, mm-hmm. we have come a long way. And- talking about body positivity and things like that but it's mm. almost like it's just like see like secret hate or like like ne- yeah. now i would say like yeah. it's like n- no fat jokes like that aren't okay and like we all know that mm-hmm. but it still happens it's just yeah yeah honestly like i definitely I have internalized a lot of like fat phobic stuff, you know? Yeah, for it's sure. A really hard, it's a really hard thing to check. Um, it's just like pervasive in like all the way we talk about food, d- diet culture, mm-hmm. like, like, like the way we shop, uh, the way we take picture, like literally like yeah. everything. It's just like a poison. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like, Chunk is probably what most most kids in America look like. Chunk, probably, mm-hmm. you know, or like a lot of kids in America. Mm-hmm. And then his name is Chunk too. It sucks. Yeah, it just sucks. Yeah, it's horrible. But but they're all kind of like reduced down to like silly nicknames. Um, yeah. But like Data, the Vietnamese character, who's also just like a joke, the tech like gadget kid, and who is yeah also a joke. Yeah, I I will say though that <laughs> Data's reunion with his parents at the very end of the movie, like just got me for when his dad was like you're, you're the yeah, best well, invention i've ever made uh, yeah. i have my period this week <laughs> all the the end when they all reunited with their parents and they realized that they did save the town was very heartwarming it I is it is and this is a great anecdote i was reading about um which, which gives you a sense of like how much fun this movie was to make uh, so they kept the rep- they they built an actual pirate ship for the end of the movie one eyed Billy's oh, pirate ship wow. and they kept it from the the whole cast they they wanted them to be surprised on set the day mm-hmm. they saw it and oh so they God. they were hoping that they could just film their genuine reactions to it because it was you know mm-hmm. in that big pool it looked amazing and when the kids saw it they all like were shouting curse words they were like holy shit you know <laughs> so they couldn't <laughs> use the scene because they were like so genuine and, and oh excited oh my god that's so funny yeah wow. they uh, should have kept it they should have right and this movie that's needed to be, be like need some edge <laughs> yeah and honestly believable for those kids yeah exactly you know? um oh my god did you read that quote i put in from josh brolin Yes, it honestly didn't make that much sense to me. It's just creepy. So Josh Brolin is probably 
like 16 in this movie and this is from a recent interview he said i was doing my first movie the goonies and reading a stanislavski book and i asked Spiel- <laughs> sorry and i asked spielberg if i could climb the walls of the goonies cave crying because it reminded me of my mother's womb i was 16 and he replied just do me a favor just act just read the script and do what the script tells you to do can you just do that to which i replied okay well but i was watching a james dean movie the other day <laughs> so i mean josh brown was a little all, freak <laughs> yeah i was like honestly i was that pretentious a six <laughs> imagine if there was a scene though where brandon is climbing the cave walls crying and being like my mother's womb Oh my god, that would be like horrible. descent vibes just from reading that sentence. Oh yeah, true. This movie is a little like <laughs> PG the descent. <laughs> you know, I also it's kind of annoying that the kids all talk over each other, but I I kind of love that. Me too. Me and too. it's similar to Stranger Things. <laughs> and it's realistic. Yeah. I hate yeah. movies where kids like speak in these perfect pearls of wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, or like have this maturity beyond their years or just yeah. like the feeling that you're watching like a child actor who's like yeah preternaturally adult and like in yeah. a creepy way yeah, no yeah. bueno i know exactly what you mean yeah these kids are all just like stupid idiots that i heard that i was also reading that that they had like actual trouble sh- filming the movie because the kids were so bad <laughs> like they would just fuck around all the time i kind of get... love that i know right so it seems like it's a lot of fun to make it's definitely a, a movie that would be fun to watch as a child um it's there's a lot of like pandemonium uh an excitement uh mm-hmm. and it is pretty iconic uh people love the fuck out of this movie like it would be a fun movie to remake with today's cultural awareness <laughs> for sure do you know like a pirate adventure for kids? saving a town like hell yeah let's From, remake it yeah but, you know not with all the horrible fat <laughs> slash Oh, like, yeah. The other terrible thing in this is Mouth, like, being abusive towards the Latina houseworker. Oh, uh, mate. Uh, oh, God. I hated yeah, that. that. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> he basically, so he's speaking Spanish. He's the only one, I guess, that could speak Spanish in the house besides, obviously, Rosalita. Latina. Yeah. Um, and he's speaking to her in spanish and saying all these horrible things like there's a body hidden upstairs and like a torture chamber yeah and like and she's like freaked out about it mm-hmm. she kind of saves the day too just saying yeah unsung hero rosalita yeah so good good structure bad jokes <laughs> good structure bad jokes cute kids it's got yeah. everything um <laughs> really a great jumping off point to talk about our next um uh, our next topic, which is Stranger Things. Um, Mackenzie, do you want to read the one-star review? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking so... forward to your dramatic reading of this. <laughs> Here we go. From start to the end, there's just sequence of screaming. Did the viewers who mentioned their childhood memories keep their youth with their never-ending <laughs> shouting like, Wah! No! Wah! We got it! No! Help! What? <laughs> that's good (laughs) this person typed that all out in caps we'll post this on instagram yeah this person because you have to see it shouting if my rendition wasn't enough (laughs) i love it uh my final reading for this movie it's hard you know like i could see how someone who grew up with this and has a lot of nostalgia concerning it would be like this is a great movie this is a classic but Mm -hmm. i don't have any of those things so i can look at Mm -hmm. it with clear eyes Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna give it a five oh wow higher than i thought four four five you know okay a five Um, that could be a four with if it looked wrong at me (laughs) um i'm gonna go with a four and i do have the nostalgia i think like i think the things that aged badly are just so bad that I like can't look past it, even mm-hmm. though I did with something like Disturbia. So, <laughs> um, I'm just yeah, I'm gonna maybe because I'm just also not a, like a child anymore. So I'll give it a four, mm-hmm. and I think we can talk more about like nostalgia and how that affects people's views of things with mm-hmm. Stranger Things. Hell yeah. So, Thank you.
Something strange is happening in Hawkins, Indiana, and things are not always what they seem. The hit Netflix sensation Stranger Things hit TV screens in 2016 and has enthralled audiences with a bonanza of references to beloved pop culture of the 80s. Stranger Things borrows heavily from Steven Spielberg and King and pairs a cast of likable enough tween actors with 80 stars like Winona Ryder, Matthew Modine, and Paul Reiser. Things start getting strange when 11-year-old Will Byers is abducted into a shadow realm called the Upside Down. His disappearance is connected to a mysterious girl named Eleven, who has escaped from Hawkins National Lab and has psychokinetic and telekinetic abilities. This is also just a quick note. We are talking about the first two seasons of Stranger Things. Um, the third season comes out on the 4th of July. And looks like it's going to be the exact same thing. Okay. I don't know if you've watched the most recent trailer, but I'm like, oh, oh I don't somebody know. gets possessed. The kids have to fight. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I'm i excited for the, like, reskinning of it as, as so, more 80s. Than more like mid eighties, yeah, 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 eighties. That's true. Like, it's like pop, pop eighties. No, yeah, it's going to be the same year as The Goonies was made. Oh wow! So I watched this when it first came out and was like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. I love this show. I mainlined it. Um, yeah, I thought that too. And then, but the more and more I return to it, the more I'm like, this kind of sucks. This is like, well, mm. yeah, I think part of it is i think this is also a case and an interesting thing to talk about is like the fan reaction to it and the like mm. cultural reaction and how that shapes our viewing of it because i think this is possibly like the first huge netflix show yeah so the f- first huge like bingeable and rewatchable like show that pretty much you can count on everyone having seen yeah and i think that on the one hand that uh is a nice thing and on the other hand that like hinders the likability of it because i think that um it's great because you can watch it with any pretty much anyone and pick it up whenever and like watch it at a party or whatever and there's a lot of like parties themed after and that's always fun and um maybe we've gone to one i don't know yes we have (laughs) Shout out to Kathy's we'll, family. We can post it on the Insta. <laughs> oh my god, so cute. Um, but on the other hand, it's like we are so saturated in it that we can really pick apart like every little bit of it, and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't hold up to that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's so it was um, created by these brothers, the Duffer brothers. And just a very quick side note: I wish there were more sister duos in Hollywood. Like you yeah, can name like too. eight brothers that are working together. Well, the Mary Kate and Ashley. The... I'm just kidding. Well, yes, them. But the Vikowski. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, what the fuck, Wasikowski. Wa- okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So they're yeah. a very famous uh, sister pair who are uh, writing and directing movies together. But then the rest of it is mostly guys. Uh, Please, if you know of any, point me in their direction. Uh, Yeah. Any sister teams. So the the Duffers um, came up with this, pitched it to Netflix. They actually were sued by this guy who had talked to them. I'm not really sure where the state of this lawsuit stands um, about this. He had an idea for a series that's basically the same outline as this, but it was set in Montauk. Um, Mm. I think it's also worth mentioning that the Duffers, kind of at the height of the Me Too um era or the very beginning of it were accused of being verbally abusive on their set which i thought was interesting uh that nothing really more came of that but just an interesting side note um and so they're there were they were too young for to have like memories of the 80s i think they were born in probably ha- 1985 oh okay i was um, gonna say like when were they born yeah so they're they're young they're, they're only a little bit older than uh mckenzie and i uh so this is pure nostalgia based on works that they've grown up watching mm-hmm. um you know like et like alien like the thing like um like all of these stephen king properties the goonies. <laughs> the goonies yeah and it to me at best feels like a mixtape of songs you already love you know but not an original mm-hmm. work um mm-hmm. and yeah i could see that yeah 
and I, I feel like the show is really weak sometimes writing wise. And I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you, like, what do you think this show is like about at its core? Like if you had to describe it or like a central theme or whatever. I mean, nostalgia. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. I think I think like it tr- maybe tries to go toward like it may like try and hint at other things. But I think at its core. That's yeah, it's agreed. Um you know, sometimes I think it's it's going in one direction or sometimes I think it's saying something interesting about externalizing trauma. Um mm-hmm. but it doesn't really follow through with any of those things. Um okay, so this is a, an article that I really we can kind of get into like the gender politics of stranger things in a second, but mm-hmm. this is from Sean T Collins in Slate. He writes Unlike many of its countless forerunners, Stranger Things' story of small-town terror communicates little beyond the contents of its creator's Blu-ray collections. Oh, shit! (laughs) It's so fixated on stirring nostalgia for the science fiction, fantasy, horror, and adventure tales of yore that has no time or energy left for what made those horror tales compelling in the first place. Wrestling with the fears and desires of the time period, the different kinds of people, boys and girls, men and women, parents and children, kids, teens, and adults, who found themselves struggling with them. Um, In... uh, do, do he says so he basically talks about how like the movies that they've all pulled from are kind of different are oriented around different age groups and stranger things kind of tries to do it all at once it has like a teen plot mm-hmm. line an adult plot line a kid plot line mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and he says that the firm focus on a particular phase of human development enables the story to utilize its genre elements the monster the murderer the criminal the sinister government agency whatever the case may be to articulate the unique psychological hang-ups of the group in question kids deal with an adult world that cannot understand them when it's not actively threatening them outright teens struggle with sex the violence to which culture so often ties it and the lies that they're beginning to realize they've been told by their parents adults fight their own mortality manifested in their inability to safeguard the innocent children in their care um and it's basically saying that, like, Stranger Things has had to, like, mix all those things together. Uh, he writes, is that creature a representation of predatory grown-ups? Is it a metaphor for the visceral experience of sex? Is it a threat to the safety of the suburban world and the adults who have struggled to construct it? The story forces it to be all three of those things, which makes it pretty lousy as we're at working at any one of them, let alone pulling off that hat trick. And I think that just perfectly gets at what makes the show so weak to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think that if anything, if we're like comparing the, if we're talking about like the arc of the show, I feel like it just gets even more messy in season two. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's definitely the weaker season. I think in season one, it, things are simpler. Mm-hmm. So it isn't so apparent how much they're juggling. Um, But in season two, it just gets pretty wild with all the government stuff and the shadow realm and i feel and none of it is really that fully realized like i still don't have an understanding of like how the upside down works you know yeah like 11 is able she gets sucked into it at the end of season one and then at the beginning of season two is able to just like crawl out of it you know Mm -hmm. um or even like 11 i'm always like how much vocabulary does she know (laughs) right it is frustrating that uh, yeah, I mean, we get, do you want to talk about the, the silent but deadly yeah. powerful girl trope? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Eleven doesn't really talk much at all. And I the way that uh, she sort of just, like, utters one word basically throughout the whole first season, she's just, like, mm-hmm. almost like an animal. Yeah. I, like, I hate that. It didn't sit well with me upon this second rewatch where I yeah like what if Eleven had been an articulate little girl how would the story have been different well maybe she could have like articulated what she wanted you know from people and yeah and I think like Millie Bobby Brown the actor who plays Eleven does a really good job of conveying a lot of emotion through just like a look yeah like uh, you can tell Eleven like has a lot of attitude and it's because of Millie Bobby Brown's performance Mm -hmm. um but she's not really given that much to work with no she's line wise she's not and i was reading the duffer said that millie bobby brown came up with her all of how she physically shows her powers you know like the hands out Mm -hmm. the nostril flare they were like she came up with all of that like she designed all that you're seeing was designed by an 11 year old girl by herself and i'm like good for her but also like that doesn't speak well to your writing 
or like yeah. your your idea of the story if like you were like hey. they were like she was pretty much a blank slate like she didn't have many lines and we were worried that and any child actress wouldn't be able to do a good job with it like staying in character when she's not talking and it's like yeah you're really lucky you found her because um, you had no idea what you wanted this um, girl yeah. to be I like the idea that the upside down this is like just a theory um, but sometimes it seems like it's what they're hinting at um, that the upside down is an external manifestation of Eleven's trauma and PTSD from having been like an experiment since childbirth mm-hmm. uh, like they're definitely connected the shadow realm and Eleven but I would love mm-hmm. to see it progress to being like Eleven is the upside down you know like she is yeah she created it she is part of it yeah um it's because she's this psychic yeah yeah, this like strong psychic character who was abused and had to like make a place for her abuse to live i don't know i hate also like yeah that'd be really cool wow yeah sorry go on (laughs) no i just i feel like they're not that's not where they're going but they're they're not just they're just not thinking enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe Uh, they'll like season three they'll have like read that somewhere and be like yeah it's actually happening that's what we decided they were gonna do this originally as an anthology and it was gonna end with 11 11 it's like implied death at the first season and jump to a new story honestly i almost wish it had yeah because i think another thing is like with the success of the show and with like we just know too much about these actors. These it's kids. so true. It's so true. Oh my god! Like I'm worried now for all that they're of them. all like. It's just like, can you imagine becoming so famous, like in the most awkward, horrible time of your life? Like, no. These kids are like all probably none of them should idiots. have social media. Like, especially exactly. it's okay if you're a normal, regular tween to have social media. Yeah. I think, but not if you're a famous one. You gotta yeah, because you have like a hundred followers. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you, no one like who if you post something you can't mess up. Like only your like a hundred friends are gonna see it or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now it's like the whole world will see your adolescence and all of the horrible things. Yeah. You do. It's really hard for me to enjoy watching things with child actors for that reason, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. And Millie Bobby Brown, not to get too much into her personal life, she's also, like, the breadwinner of her family and is, like, super obsessed with the Kardashians and, like, hangs out with Drake, which is on him for being creepy. But none of that bodes well to me. I hope Winona Ryder is taking her under the wing. Well, I mean, it makes sense that she's the breadwinner because, like, she probably makes... Well, they, like, moved to L.A. for her career from England. So, not great. Um... The other, one of the other women on the show is Nancy, who's the main character, Mike's older sister. Um, and Nancy is, how would you describe her, Mackenzie? She is, um, like a little bit uptight, but smart and wanting to like rebel a little bit. Like she wants Mm -hmm. to be cool. Um, but she also wants to prioritize studying. She has a best friend who's like... I think been her your childhood bestie since forever and they are just growing apart because mm-hmm. Nancy wants to be like cool and you know try things like drinking and sex and Barb is very not ready for that mm-hmm. so when this when the first reticent. season first came out and Barb was kind of like a breakout hit there was a lot mm-hmm. of like online um like people saying you know like in a world of nancy's be a barb you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. and making this dichotomy of like you're either a nancy or you're a barb Mm -hmm. um which is so annoying uh i was definitely both (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i feel like i definitely like wanted to do like cool things like drinking and sex but i was also deeply uncomfortable by it (laughs) so i would be in the situations like nancy but i was like freaking out about it (laughs) yeah depending on the friendship i was either nancy or barb (laughs) uh yes true and it sucks that like Nancy is introduced to us as like this super, this smart like headstrong young woman, and then her mm-hmm. entire storyline becomes about like a love triangle. Mm-hmm. I agree. Which, it's like well, all of I feel like a lot of the like most of the women in this yes. show, their characters revolve around men or boys. Yeah, it's true. Um, I was watching the second season today, and like the character of Max, who's um, a young girl who's introduced in season two. Is like you're introduced to her because like the through the eyes of Dustin and Lucas who are like horny for her, you know, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. and it, it just like immediately places her apart, you know, and her perspective mm-hmm. apart. Um, mm-hmm. 
and you know mike and 11 are into each other so like that's 11's mm-hmm. whole thing 11 who is basically like experiencing personhood for the first time is <laughs> like oh my story is just gonna be about how i have a crush on this guy mm-hmm. i was even creeped out at the end of season one when they kissed or when mike kissed her because yeah. i was like she probably doesn't know what a fucking kiss is like back yeah. off <laughs> yeah 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 i agree too uh she also like kind of becomes a- they introduce her into like toxic ideas about beauty the boys do <laughs> Yeah. They put the wig on her and they're like, you're pretty now. Yeah. Well, although I I actually thought it was cute in uh-huh. season one when she first sees a picture of Nancy. Uh-huh. She's actually the one who was like pretty. When oh, she yeah, yeah, yeah. First sees a picture of Nancy, which I thought was cute that she like the first time she like smiled in the whole show was when she saw Nancy. Oh, a picture of her. I thought that was very cute. Yeah. I was like, more, I want to see more of Eleven and Nancy hanging out. I think yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, hell yeah. Or like, any women hang out with each other. Uh, yeah. And I'm excited for the third season almost because there did seem to be a lot of Max and Eleven hanging out. Yes, hell yeah. I hope that's and because. I want to see that. Yeah, I want to see that too. Or like, <sighs> another thing that was getting me this like second rewatch or whatever of the show was thinking about like, diversity um, you know, thinking like what this, what this show would be like if, um, if maybe it was about four girls and they find like a little boy in the woods, you know, who's mm-hmm. been abused. Or if it was about what if the the main family, the Wheelers, Nancy and Mike, mm-hmm. what if they were black? What if Eleven mm-hmm. was black? You know, mm-hmm. how that would change the story or make the story something we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, this movie does have, I mean, sorry, this TV show does have black characters like Lucas and the one cop is black. Um, mm-hmm. But they feel very much so, like, supporting and that, like, their blackness mm-hmm. isn't, like, factored into the story in any way. Mm-hmm. And it's just such an easy thing to do to make, to, like, be inclusive and to, like, it just immediately makes your story have something unique about it and different. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And just, like, needed. Yeah. Just know? needed. Yeah. For sure. I agree. It's, uh, like, very lazy to just continually put a best friend character as a black person be like oh we checked a box exactly exactly like yeah like what if 11 had been black like what if the implications of like a, a young black girl like being locked away in a lab you know that just makes mm-hmm. the story different um and like having awesome powers that would be so cool yeah um for sure <sighs> yeah let's talk about the the teen love in this show <laughs> or tween Tween, uh, I, I would prefer to talk about the teen rather than the tween yeah, love. I agree. 100%. Okay, here's my thing. I don't want Steve Harrington with Nancy. I don't think she deserves him. Okay. He is the only character who has an arc. So far. Oh, okay. So you think that Nancy is not good enough for Steve? Yes. <laughs> okay. I like... Okay. I would say... I see that. I see what you mean. Because also, he... Yeah. Oh, d- did you know? Did you notice that in the third season, the I think it's Faith from Buffy who is the person working with Steve at. Oh, girl, no, it's not Faith from Buffy. What? Is it not? Who First is of it? All, that actress is like in her forties. I know, but it looked like her, didn't it? It's Ma- no, it's Maya Hawke, who's Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Well, she looks like her. <laughs> Can you imagine? It? He had like a romance with like his forty-year-old coworker. Well, you know what? I was like, <laughs> well, like when I thought that, I was like, wow, she's too old to be in this. But I was like, but good for her. She looks really good. <laughs> I wish that was so. I wish she was being cast opposite a twenty-year-old boy or twenty-five-year-old. That would be hot. I mean, yeah, good for Steve. Moving on, yeah. upgrading. Uh, yeah, I just love Steve. He's my breakout fave character of the show. I love a good dumb jock with a heart of gold. Yeah, I have a feeling that like, I mean, so Charlie Heaton and Talia Dyer, who are Nancy and Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan. I was like, who? What is his name? <laughs> Jonathan Byers. <laughs> they are the uh, like teen romance. Um, hmm. They are dating in real life, and I just, I don't know. Something about them seems creepy to me. Yes, they're creepy. <laughs> I don't know why. I think it's probably because Charlie Heaton looks creepy. Yeah. Uh, but I do think, like, I gen- genuinely thought, like, it was hot when they had sex for the first time in the second season. <laughs> I was into it <laughs> for some reason, even though it's, like, in a creepy guy's. Yeah. It's so weird. I was, uh, still, I was still like, okay, get it. But... <laughs> 
overall not uh, into it also jonathan took pictures of nancy losing her virginity in season one I and then know. he was like i guess i shouldn't have done that and then it's like okay yeah yeah fucked up you know one time i tweeted about that and mitski interacted with the tweet she was like yes you're <gasps> right oh my god wow well if yeah. mitski says it i know so it's law mitski <laughs> hates jonathan <laughs> so i hate jonathan um yeah and i remember vividly i'll remind you of this texting with you about the show when it came out in 2016 mm-hmm. and i was like what do you think and you were like uh ian and i hate winona Ryder in this yeah yeah i still still that still holds true <laughs> i mean it, i feel bad for her because they tell her to do the same shit in every scene you know yeah like her like, character is just that's the thing like rewatching it this time i was like okay like i guess she has some moments where it's like you could see it shine through and also as someone who with extreme anxiety and whose mom has extreme anxiety it's like i'm like wow i like feel that emotion like i can like identify with it so strongly (laughs) her like yeah her her franticness she definitely is like a pretty good representation of what like single moms in the 80s in movies in the 80s were like you know kind of like frantic trying to take do the best they can uh take care of themselves and their kids she reminds me a lot of the mom from et uh who's kind of just at like wit's end trying to get her family together uh i think they're probably gonna end up pairing her with the cop hopper who is like pro like baby harrison ford Although in the second season she does have a love interest with Sean Astin, Sean Gird up. Astin, who is so great. sweet. He's, He's great, great in season two. Yeah. R.I.P. Bob. Bob. R.I.P. Bob. <laughs> uh, I think this show struggles with kind of finding uh, this story to tell. The first season and the second season pretty much are paced exactly the same and end in the same way, mm-hmm. with the same mm-hmm. sort of uh, plot points being shuffled around. And mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how they break out of that in the third if season can. if they can uh or if it's just a reskinning like i said mm-hmm. um mackenzie this is important what is i have my power ranking written down but what is your power ranking of the child actors in this Mine TV is like show? almost the same i would okay. say the kid you're right the will i will keep them straight will, will? will? Okay. you can't hear winona Ryder screaming it i sort of can will? yeah like i said i have a shit memory okay <laughs> I should have wrote down my power ranking too. Will I agree? Best, um, like MVP season two. Then so. Millie Bobby Brown because like if she like really Eleven is such an icon because of her performance. Like it would be nothing without her. Yes. Um, the rest kind of muddle together. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, yeah. I put Lucas down. <laughs> okay. I put the redheaded girl down, which I remember seeing a lot of people being like, See? this redheaded girl can't act, but I like her. I like her too. She's cute. Uh, then Dustin. Any skater girl. I'm any like skater girl. 100% hell, for. Hell yeah. I hope she gets more to do than just be crushed on. And then yeah. Finn Wolfhard is my last one. I'm sorry. If it was I Finn, agree. He's Finn the weakest Wolfhard. performance. Yeah, he really is. He's not that and great. <laughs> he has the most heavy lifting to do, which is Even though he has the, so. the coolest name ever. Yeah. Wolfhard Finn. is a little, I don't like that. A little porny. <laughs> yeah. I just don't like to think about animal erections. That's like number one hate to think about. Oh my God. No. Did you see the article I put in our notes called uh, things adults can learn from the relationships and stranger things or the Mike and 11 relationship stranger things. I saw that. I was like, what the fuck? It's really gross. It's like, uh, be nice to each other. Have a connection. Uh, I don't know. Look, look out for each other. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I will learn from these children in this TV show about, (laughs) magical powers oh god right um i feel like i have a love-hate relationship with this this show yeah i mean like i said it's like it's like fun on one level because it's like you can talk about it with pretty much anyone and Mm -hmm. there are parties themed around it and it's like sign me up fun to dress up like the characters or Mm -hmm. and people love the 80s you know and it is um Mm -hmm. We, we, it was such an influential decade. You know, if you didn't grow up watching these movies, you watch them later, like in the 90s, like we did. Um, And they're still being talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. I will, so our one star review, it's not explicitly a one star review, but it's this tweet from the film critic Emily Yoshida, who's awesome. 
Uh, this is such an amazing point she made. This is from August 7th, 2016. She tweeted, I just don't know why you do a retro genre nostalgia pastiche without making it either A, more morally complex, B, grosser, or C, female. And it's so true. Like, if you're going to rehash all these tropes, why not mm-hmm. go bigger, go bolder, do something you yeah. haven't seen before? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, if you want that, read the comic Paper Girls. <laughs> Fuck yeah, read the comic Paper Girls. That's such a because good point. It has just a bunch of girls riding around on bikes and they're invaded by like an alien. It's an alien invasion. Happens. And it is and more like, complex and more, yeah. yeah. And it's all girls. And it's honestly probably grosser too. So. Yeah, pro- it's all of those things. Um, it's just like when you think about this, you compare any element of it to its source material. Like the monster's not as iconic as alien or like mm-hmm. the thing uh, that's the thing the the monster i feel like changes it's like i totally forgot that it was just like a humanoid without a face or something in this first season but i was like oh like he's basically a slender man i know that like his face opens up but like, like a tulip yeah i don't know it felt like they didn't really know exactly what know, it was gonna look like it was wanted, bland I guess. yeah yeah and like yeah it's just it's, um, yeah. Well, Mackenzie, what is your final thoughts and fi- final rating on uh, these strange things? Um, I'll give it a five. Five? I'm going to give it a five, too. You know, I want it to be better. You know, mm-hmm. I want the Duffers to show me that they understand, like, our... Just have, or I want the Duffers to show me that they read online criticism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People who know more than they do who are thinking very hard about the art they're creating. Yeah. Um, I just so deeply want something like this, but centered around girls. Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck yeah. Yeah. I just, fuck. I was like... It's almost like people didn't know that like nerdy girls or girls that are nerdy in the way these boys are existed, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like girls who play D&D... I'm going to go out on a limb and say they exist. Yeah, I know many. Controversial yet brave. (laughs) All right, Mackenzie, let's outro this thing. Okay. It would really help us out if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at ChickFlixPod and email us at ChickFlixPodcast at gmail.com. Our next episode will air on July 22nd, and we will be discussing Friday the 13th and Final Girls. Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music, and thank you for listening to Chick Flicks.